0: This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. <laughs> uh, this is
1: just this is some I worked, worked up. up. Uh, I'll do it for you, Maybe like like You Like It, Maybe You Don't.
2: don't.
0: Hello, I'm Jake and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. The podcast where we take a play or film that has never been staged before or is never likely to be staged again and we talk about how we'd stage it. As always, I'm joined by Caleb.
1: Hello, hello. How are we doing?
0: I'm really good, thanks. (laughs) And uh, this week we are joined by playwright, poet, producer and co artistic director of Chewboy Productions, George Bailey.
2: Hello,
1: hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) No
0: worries. Sorry, I very rudely re- responded to you asking me how i was, no, it, was, I was okay. I, it
1: was a bad moment to ask <laughs> you, you were mid-flow and i just cut you out um uh, well george I was, I was thinking maybe you could tell us a little bit about Two boy productions um and what you guys have been up to uh in lockdown um and maybe a bit about what you've done before that as well
2: yeah yeah definitely man so um two boy productions we set up about two years ago now maybe three Good that I know that. Um, <laughs> not that it's my company or anything. Um, and we basically are a multi-arts company. So we work across sort of different mediums. So theatre, film, uh, poetry, visual arts, all these kind of things. Um, and kind of look at how we can blend those art forms as well in our work. So over lockdown, we had this e-gallery that was uh, all run online, as you can probably tell from the web e-gallery, uh, which basically we um, engaged with about sort of 80 different artists from across the globe, um, and put different works, uh, online effectively. So yeah, that was a really good thing to do. And we did three different exhibitions. They're all up on our website now. If you want to take a look at all, any, any listeners out there, uh, want to get their art fixed. Um, so yeah, so that was what we basically did. And then we've also been doing a lot of planning for theatre projects that obviously have died a little bit now. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of been a lot of planning and a lot of sorting out of stuff as well as trying to keep creative as well at the same time
1: great yeah thank you um yeah i've been keeping up with the quarantine collective i i was even honored to have uh, a little poem i wrote featured in the third one as well uh we'll link in the description below and everyone should go check that out because it's it's really cool and yeah and just keep on top of what uh you guys are up to because you you're making some really cool stuff Mm, um Cool. Uh, so, George, you chose the film this week. Mm. Um, what What film have you brought for us to stage in our hypothetical theatre?
2: Right, I've gone for uh, Chicken Run because it is a classic film, um, and I just think it's, for one of a better word, it's going to be batshit to try and uh, <laughs> to try and stage it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a pretty it's pretty iconic yeah it's a pretty <laughs> iconic film but um I'm, yeah I've no idea how we're going to stage this, but before we get into the staging, do you want to give us a sort of for those who have been living under a rock and don't know what chicken run is, do you want to give us a rundown of what the the film is kind of about
2: yeah so definitely so it's effectively the great Escape, but with chickens um <laughs> it's a sort of more democratic, equalized animal farm, like without any sort of hierarchy or anything like that um effectively the film is um a group of chickens group of hens and they decide they want to escape the coop that they're kind of living in um and then out of nowhere this eccentric geezer called rocky just like flies in and changes their worlds basically so um that then leads them to this whole thing of learning to fly and trying to get out of the coop um so is that right coop that is is that the right word yeah or just the run i think so is that yeah yeah (laughs) Go for that. Um, uh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's like two kind of evil farmers, Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy, um, all sort of like based in Yorkshire. And uh, they, they aren't making enough money. So they're basically like, oh, okay, what we can do is we can buy like a chicken pie machine and turns the chickens into pies. So then the chickens are like, oh, we got to get out of here pronto because this is not going to happen for us. Um, and then, yeah. And then it turns out Rocky isn't who he says he was. Oh, it's just, it's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. You know? <laughs> it's, it's hard to sum All it up, you know. <laughs> All in an hour and twenty four minutes as yeah, well. I yeah. mean
1: it's it's pretty <laughs> concisely made. But yeah, and then in the end basically they um they manage to build a plane uh that flaps its wings and they they fly out of there to a sort of new life, uh, in this sort of like idyllic pastoral island. Um yeah, that's I mean I think you've summed it up perfectly, really. Mm. Um but also if you haven't seen this, I mean I'm very surprised. <laughs> it's uh it's like Uh, it's very much a british staple right because it's nick park who did you know he's done like wallace and Mm gromit and all that stuff and it's ardman animations um so i mean if you haven't seen it you you've got to see it um and i think the challenge for us staging it right is that it's this iconic film that's kind of riffing on other films because there's obviously the the riff on the great escape but there's also riffs on like indiana jones Mm -hmm. and things like this Uh, and it's also done in stop motion animation with chickens um and and it's a very distinct visual style which um putting it on stage we're obviously probably going to lose a lot of the the charm that comes from that and it's how how do we kind of counter out that with our own sort of distinct um visual style in putting it on on stage
0: yeah I've, i've been thinking a lot about that and about uh like the way the studios came together to make this film, Aardman and Dreamworks, and then they split off and we could have had loads of films like this and mm. um, and about that kind of stylistic nature. And I've been thinking about um, the Beetlejuice musical, which takes the kind of um, Tim Burton directing style of film and tries to put it on stage. Um, but I read a bit of trivia, which is uh, that these chickens that Aardman make out of plasticine technically have no feathers on them, even though you don't really notice yeah and essentially like when when you read the description of them like on a blank piece of paper that doesn't have a picture uh it becomes quite clear they don't actually look anything like chickens <laughs> um and and that was the kind of style that the animators went for and so actually i think i i kind of came to the conclusion that that actually lends itself back to us if we want to not have them be chickens as in they will be chickens but as in we don't have to get, get them all in chicken costumes yeah, and, yeah. you know actually fully realize the chickenness of them we can ha- do a kind of lion king style indicative chickenness yeah, um, yeah and i and get away with that in the same way that armament have got away with their chickens are just blumps of plasticine
2: with little necklaces mm. on them. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely do you know as well they made a video game of chicken run like a PlayStation I, I One.
1: I was just reading this. I I never played it. Yeah. Did you play it? At I,
2: all? I did. I used to have it as a kid. Oh um, my word! It was a- what was it like? Awful. Really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. Um, so hopefully we can do do the story a bit more justice than that awful game. Was it Was it
1: following like the same story as the film? I'm
2: pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was. But um, yeah. I don't. I, I sort of have like sort of vivid memories of it. It's sort of like this nightmarish thing. I'm not going to lie. I'm sort of trying to block it out of my my memory.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like Uh, early noughties 3D animation is pretty... (laughs) Just like quite hellish. Just
2: quite...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you say you say that, but this film is... There are moments that are pretty hellish. It's quite dark for a children's film. I was actually thinking as I was watching it, that actually, I think if this film was made now, first of all, I think it'd be made by someone like Adult Swim and it wouldn't be yeah. anywhere near as as charming mm-hmm. and joyful. And I can imagine that it would be just like this really sort of grim like violent take on it yeah. which i'm so glad it's not i'm so glad it is a family film because i think that that would be such a, a sort of letdown of what this film ends up being because mm. it's so full of joy and hope so yeah. the
0: original film the original script
1: had uh, a younger brother of ginger the main hen in
0: mm. it, and he was supposed to provide kind of cute comic relief as well as all the other comic relief they had right um, and dreamworks told on them to cut him really they thought they thought it would be too
1: cute that's <laughs> that's very that's not what studios that's not usually the decision they make no, it's <laughs> that's not. really interesting 2000 different time different wow, time wow wow
2: yeah well,
1: <laughs> okay I mean so Jay you you're talking about potentially a, a Lion King esque design um, as in Lion King on Broadway esque design uh, where we kind of make these you know they are humans but through like sort of mask and costume there's just like elements that are chicken like my yeah. my other thought was maybe trying to uh make this show almost exclusively puppetry um Ooh. but using different styles of puppetry so some sort of like warhorse style like these big sort of 3d puppets and then some of it you could do through like shadow puppetry some of the action sequences and things like that um i don't know what you guys think about that we could go in either of those directions so i don't really mind
0: mm. i really like that i mean my My thoughts about set fit either of those, really, so I'm happy to go either direction. I think puppetry might be more interesting. Okay,
1: I mean, I'm no expert on it, um, but, I mean, George, you you used to work at Chichester. They've done quite a lot of that puppetry, haven't they? I don't know if you've had any experience with that.
2: Yeah, no, and I think the puppetry for them works really well because it's sort of, uh, you have like one or two puppets in the whole of a kind of story in a play. Yeah. Um, so like the Butterfly line, for instance, there was probably like a, a sort of collection of puppets that weren't all seen at the same time. Because yeah. when I was kind of thinking about uh, this whole sort of concept and that, I I started on puppets and then thought, actually, it's quite a big cast of characters. And yeah. if, they all, if they all stick, all of them are on stage pretty much all the time. And if you've got like, I don't even know, like, if it's like 15 puppets all at the same time. Yeah. I just don't know how that's going to lie. I don't know. I Would mean, I've seen,
1: I, I've seen this show before by um, uh, a group in America called Starkid Productions. I don't know if you've mm. come across them. They've done like a Harry Potter parody musical that's quite well known. It's kind of where like people like Darren Chris got their start. Um, mm. And they have a show called Starship, which is kind of like the little mermaid, but it's set in space. Um, and it's about like this little ant thing who then becomes a human being, um, and gets to live his life out as a starship ranger. Um, and then has to make the call between being an ant at the end of a starship ranger anyway. Um, but I, uh, their puppets, it's basically like you have the person who's operating them. And basically all they're doing is putting their like hand in, like where the beak would be, for example. And then they have like mm-hmm. one pole to, to, um, control the, the like wing of the, puppet um but the, all of the expression and the emotion is happening on the face of the person performing so we oh, but cool. as an audience you kind of like just transpose that expression straight onto the puppet you, you kind of don't need it on the puppet much like i guess in the, in the butterfly line how a lot of those puppets i mean the dog for the butterfly line was just a head mm. and a tail but you fill in the rest of the body just through the performance of the the puppeteer yeah,
0: you know, yeah. I, I know there's a general puppetry kind of principle which is that if you can't do something like realistically then you should remove it so for example if you have um if you have an animal and it has four legs tail a head and two ears um if you can't actually make those ears do what the ears would do you should just not have the ears in the puppet. Mm. you shouldn't Mm. have the legs if you're not going to move the legs you shouldn't have the body etc etc um and so that that makes sense in in that in that case i think i think what george was saying was was even if we can achieve that being able to suspend that kind of disbelief for 15 puppets at once yeah, mm. this is, it's is very challenging. Yeah, yeah.
1: it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I guess I was bringing that up because there, there, there is a whole ensemble cast of puppets in that, but there are mm. also people. And I guess we get that in, in Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy. We can have live actors on stage performing those roles. Mm. Um, mm. But I take your point and I, I wonder if there is a, a solution that's part puppetry, part not puppetry. I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's also a kind of uh, Jim Henson style thing where the puppetry is done subbed Sub subvision, as it were. Yeah, um, which is another possibility. Yeah,
1: yeah. although that's going to really restrict like some of these set pieces in what we can do. That,
0: that yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, as far as as far as a basic set layout, does anyone have any any base ideas?
2: I had an idea, but it's very sort of wacky. Um, so just bear with it wacky's
1: good wacky's good
2: wacky you know for a chicken run you're going to need a bit of wax. so so basically you take the audience so it's like a promenade piece right? oh nice Um, you bring them out into like a kind of farmyard area um it's like very site-specific very kind of you know you're, you're there it's visceral like you're feeling mm. the chickens in your bones you know you are a chicken you are a chicken <laughs> um maybe we could give them all like chicken masks and stuff you know as they're coming up. anyway um, <laughs> we need masks so then. then
1: that's good for covid theater we give them all well, chicken exactly masks. <laughs> yeah
2: like it's, it's outside we give them masks yeah. what more do yeah. they need you know yeah um and then like we sort of dig these kind of trenches so it's like kind of mixing this world of like war as well as like you know chicken farmyard um, and it's like you're sat on these benches within this kind of uh, in the round staging where like you're on each side of the, the kind of battleground that you're seeing before your chicken run that was the kind of idea I had but I'm I'm willing to be kind of I like this
1: that. I like this yeah and now I can see why you uh, weren't so keen on puppets but I think <laughs> we can move away from that yeah I like that a lot Jake th- how does that kind of fit with what you've got in your that head
0: fun. that is that is almost the antithesis of my oh, idea. Fun. <laughs> I guess. Um, so I guess what you know, what we do on this podcast is we kind of set our own budget depending on what mm. we're thinking we're going to do. Uh, so I've, I've, but I thought you know, often these things, especially you know DreamWorks have just put on the Prince of Egypt. They're they're thinking about you know, let's let's just send whatever we're doing straight to the West End with huge budgets. So I just thought, well, let's just build all of it uh, basically. <laughs> so my idea is basically. A kind of mezzanine stage, you know, the kind of like two levels. Yeah. Mm. So on the top level, I'd have like the house, but like the interior of the house of the of the farmers. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: and then outside of that house, you'd have a bird, like a a model of the chicken coops, sort of thing. So like you could see the whole thing, like those pat those zoomed out shots that you get on yeah. it in the um in the film. And then underneath would be almost like a zoom in on something that's going on on in that uh in that model of the of the of the world and you could even have like a light come on in the model where you can see underneath um and so there's you still wouldn't need that many locations underneath you'd have hut 17 which is
1: i think that's a reference
0: to a film that i don't know is it but
1: is it not great escape maybe is it not the same mm,
0: numbers it might be uh, maybe Maybe I don't know. Anyway, whatever that is. Anyway, you have that hut which has got all these like equipment and uh, all these like diagrams and drawings or whatever. And you build the set bespoke in a in a very like contraptiony way. Make it feel like that kind of like kind of Wallace and Gromit contraptiony feel. Um, mm-hmm. Make the audience feel part of it, and, and maybe have the audience as if they're in Hut Seventeen as well. Mm. And then have that able to switch into the kind of like Heidi mode that they have
1: yeah.
0: Um, and what you'd have is you'd have the, the human actors always on the mezzanine level and so when they come and look into the coop they can go over to the model and lift up the lid and then you'd get the light streaming in down on the bottom Yeah. If, so you kind of have these kind of levels of scale so you could have this is when I was thinking we'd have full size uh, adult d- actors Yeah. Who also have the human actors playing the farmers up top as well to kind of get that sense of like differences of scale yeah and you could and you could make you could build these contraptions that i just think would be really cool to do on stage to have have the actors get involved as well to have everything transform between when they're like in war mode and when they're in hiding mode yeah thing. and mm. then also have that bottom level be able to transform from all those things into the pie making machine the inside of the pie making machine when we get to that scene yeah yeah mm-hmm. i think that's quite okay important.
1: is there is there a way that we can potentially bring some of this uh sort of wallace and gromit contraption feel to the set to this outdoor farmyard um experience that george is suggesting i think there's maybe a way of bringing those two together so we have this same sense of um you know y- you could even have like the whole uh you know when the audience is kind of built in the round or maybe in the thrust in this farmyard um, and and the whole set is kind of constructed of like this hut that can then change so it, it can maybe even it's like a hut that we see from the outside for the exterior scenes and then it, it like opens up and we can see the inside for the interior scenes um, mm-hmm. and we can see the sort of different con- elements of the contraptions and the and the plans and things inside. Um, I think maybe we could bring those two together in that way and even if it's outside then we've got maybe lots of space. You can even have like, you know, this machine that they're running through, they can even like bring that machine with them or even like bring the audience over to where the machine is. If we're doing it in a kind of promenade style um, and and still give that sense of like moving parts of the contraption and stuff, but, um, but bring it into this outdoor setting. Yeah. Mm. It's a big old set to build to, to then build the whole inside somewhere
0: else as well. The other thing I was going to do with it as well was to, um to say, that that bottom, as well as transforming into the machine, I just think, you know, just make it, you know, design a set that it can do all these things. Mm. And it could also it could also transform, as it does in the film, into, uh, well, part of that floor could transform into the plane, which could then rise up to meet the mezzanine level. Okay. So it's then at that height. Mm. And then we oh, could wow. do the kind of whole bit where she's, where the farmer's, like, hanging from the rope in the space between the mezzanine and the, and the floor. Uh, I just wanted to add that to, that was kind of my whole, thing i have thought it through quite a lot annoyingly (laughs) Um, but i think we can find a way to mix them together
1: yeah i really like those ideas i just wonder about bringing them to this outdoor setting um Mm. so that like george was saying like you get this feel of like being on a farm and like the experience of that which i think is quite specific experience and i think it's kind of like i think it's kind of partly you know obviously it's like the film's you know, taking the the visual cues from like Prisoner of War camps, right? But I think it's also trying to give a sense of like this is a farm and that that feeling as well. And I think that that's important to put it outside in order to do that.
2: But I think because I, I mean, I really love that concept, Jake. I think that's a really sick idea, and I think there's a lot you can play around with with that. And the other thing I was thinking, sort of off the back of it, was uh, you could have this whole thing of the audience is obviously. Uh, more sort of related to the human characters because that's kind of who we are like that's that's who we kind of resonate with, that's who we see. So the fact that you've got the audience sat within the same kind of uh, confines of an indoor space like the humans are going to be in this sort of mezzanine uh, idea, it kind of I don't know, it's quite, it, it makes a very different comment to what the film's making because obviously the film is a lot more kind of family oriented and stuff but it's kind of this idea of um, consumerism and that kind of thing and, and putting the audience within that seat if that makes sense i might have just run on a tangent there um but i really like it i mean i'm happy to kind of use a lot more of jake's elements to be honest because i think okay well, really well, so yeah. how about what we could do is
0: what i've described i don't think really requires much wing space right so mm-hmm. how how about we we are on a farm um and we can use a kind of barn building yeah. to yeah. to create these these kind of scenes and we could do maybe some we could keep the promenade and do some stuff outside and then bring bring them in i like uh, that some a lot sections as uh,
1: well yeah yeah i like nice. that a lot and and maybe it e- even um you know the way you construct it is uh is is we we do maybe a little bit outside at some point in in the production but also at the end you have this piece of set that that like you said, it kind of like lifts up into that plane and maybe even like you have big barn windows, um, high up that open up and it can like go along like a rail, um, as if it's leaving the barn, as if it's like escaping.
2: <laughs> yes. I-, I think that that's, yeah.
1: that's probably possible, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and, and that would be quite a cool experience for an audience. Maybe even if it like flew up over their heads or something out of the barn from where they've come in or something. Um, that would be quite cool, and then maybe that final scene is taking place outside the barn in like a, a space that like has that feeling of that like pastoral idyllic, like setting of the of the mm. ending, and you can do it that way as well. I think that's a good way of bringing the two together.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could even have the audience on some kind of rail as well that moves in and out of the barn without them having to walk. Um, yeah, it could give them a mm. the kind of feeling of like uh, not being able to control what's happening to them, in the, in the same way we're thinking about you know the chickens inevitably getting killed mm. in pies and things like that
1: yeah um, yeah uh yeah i think all of that works i think that's a really cool set um and i think that thing you said about scale jake is the really important thing because that's the thing i was struggling with yes. i'm like really cool with like doing the chickens at, in a kind of like Lion King esque, like with the you know part masks, part costume, but mostly human. But then, how do you make that scale work? And I think separating them with a mezzanine is is like the perfect way to do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess the the, the thing, um, like I you know I mentioned about it, it could have been a, an Adult Swim animation, have been like a much more sort of aimed at a much more adult audience, but it's not, mm-hmm. and and that's quite a key part of that. Um. What what elements on the stage do you think we we could use to make it feel like a family show without it just being exactly the same as the film.
2: Well, that's the, that's the big question. And it? it's like, do we want it to be a family film? I mean, that a family stage production, because obviously it's whether or not we stick to every single element within the same yeah. film or whether you take it a completely different direction. But obviously if we're then talking about like marketing and that kind of stuff, people are going to turn up with an expectation. So, yeah. um, that's if you... true. But also if
0: you're marketing to kids who saw the film in 2000,
1: they're now in their twenties. Yeah. So you yeah. can see it that way as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> chicken yeah. run up late, you know, like...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like a chicken run cabaret show. Like
2: on one. <laughs> Chicken oh, run to two, uh, two uh, dead, uh, two uh, chickens.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gosh. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of visual jokes uh, throughout the film that are like kind of uh, them using tools for like stupid little things and yeah uh, that make it kind of feel very childish like the one like that comes to mind is chocks away and they throw away a um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
1: classic that's um, just good look, comedy uh, oh
0: the best joke in the whole film is they go on and on and on about talking about how they're looking to get try and get some thrust so they can fly <laughs> um, and then he they're, they're trying to practice it and he goes just cut don't worry don't worry yourself it's just a thrust exercise which i just thought is amazing <laughs> um, so i mean i think just that kind of sense of lightheartedness and and avoiding it's they have this thing where they kind of they they go oh death is imminent and they all kind of cry about it and it's kind of funny because it's so over the top and then they kind of leave it and it's so i think yeah because of the way the way that machine is made family friendly is that it's so ridiculously dangerous mm, yeah that it that it looks kind of fine. And also they kind of brush over the bit where the chickens should have actually been killed. They just somehow get to the side of it, you know, yeah. they kind of brush <laughs> over those
1: parts. And we don't even um, see how Ginger does that. Like we only see how no, Rocky exactly. does no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. I mean, yeah. Well... Do we want to keep it family friendly? If if so, do we want to introduce maybe like um, a kind of sense of audience interaction, maybe through sort of mm. pantomime style, like bringing the audience in to what's happening? Um, or is there sort of another way we can do that, which is with just like visually, like it feeling like it has this sort of child-like playfulness to the the whole production? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't know it's difficult isn't it because like obviously naturally if you're like oh, okay let's make it a family-friendly show you would probably go down the route I mean it's probably just because I've been working at Chichester, and the majority of family shows have puppets in them but you would go back to that whole like sort of very traditional puppetry route so yeah. It's then yeah like you say like how what are the other methods that we can use to then actually sort of enforce that kind of family-friendly feeling and I think I don't know like I feel like the lightness in the whole like tone of the film would translate really well to stage. Yeah. But I mean but I mean there's isn't there a section where like one of the chickens gets like beheaded or some shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Off, sc- like, also off, off screen. a screen bomb blast.
2: Yeah. yeah so there that... are quite like dark things going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, no, like... I
1: definitely and I don't think we need to get rid of the darkness at all. No. Um and I don't think that that ruins the fact you know part of it being a family show rather than just like a kid's show is that it kind of it's marrying the two of like the where the kids are at and where the parents are at and yeah. putting those two together for sure i think yeah i think you're right i think that the, and i think w- what's great about the sort of um the visual comedy of of the film um and the sort of slapstick that goes along with it is there's so much happening in every frame um that when you translate that to the stage you get this feeling of almost like a like a musical number you can have these sequences where they're like training for flying and things like that where so much is happening on stage and there's an ensemble cast who are doing lots and lots of sort of visual gags at different moments and building those set pieces is exciting and interesting and great for families because you kind of can't get away from how engaging that is to watch
0: well, I think that, that hits on the color as well. So, I mean, so I don't know if you've seen these interviews with the uh, creators of Bojack Horseman where they, they often talk about how the, the, what they talk about in their show is so dark. Um, but it is allowed to be made that dark because they use, uh this kind of wacky animation style they use animals which which creates distance between the audience and the story which allows them to kind of go that deep without people Mm. wanting to turn it off because it's so horrible yeah i feel like arm do a similar thing here where because they're using plasticine unrealistic looking chickens they can talk about like like basically saying like uh, you know imagine if these chickens could talk you know how terrible is the meat industry i guess <laughs>
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um which is kind of it's weird because that's kind of not really a message anyone really took from it i don't think well because um, it's doing
1: so much about like anti-capitalism feminism yeah. like female mm. and working class empowerment like there's it was it's so, it's balancing so many threads of like different really important themes especially within the british context all at once uh, whilst also kind of making a comment on the meat industry it's pretty amazing yeah.
0: and and having that kind of colorful animation style is what allows them that separation i think yeah the, the yeah and, make mm. and so i guess what we want to think about is what kind of thing can we do that has that same like ridiculous therefore not too heavy effect yeah on the stage
2: yeah well the first thing that springs to mind i mean caleb you just mentioned it briefly but i mean it is that idea of do we like transpose it to a musical so it's like you have these elements of like really over the top sequences um that kind of just come out of nowhere and then you just kind of go okay that was fine um that's the, that's the first thing that strikes me is like, a, okay, that's like a counterbalance to what we could have um, past the animation. So like if we don't have that, what can we substitute with, with it, I guess?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, even if it doesn't push to the absolute extreme of them singing, like you mm-hmm. have these dance sequences in the film, maybe it is about how do we use music and dance and movement to um, transfer some of this energy of the film without having to like go into a full blown like you know quite cynical musical if that makes sense mm,
2: yeah yeah i mean unless i mean the other alternative is yeah you have like dance sequences which just turn to like the absolute like most surreal point that they could yeah um because yeah i think and as well i guess we've got to be careful of like what we how far we push things because obviously if we've got people in half chicken regalia <laughs> already i mean line can get away with it but because you have the expectation of that already, it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like going going and having to sit in a cold barn anyway to then be met with a load of, like, half chickens singing at you for, like, an hour and a half is probably going to be quite a lot. <laughs> that uh, is a lot, especially <laughs> for parents, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think parents would lose their fucking minds. But, uh... <laughs> You've
1: yeah. also got to be so careful in design as well because, like, it, it walks such a fine line like you were kind of talking about with the, the video game George like of mm. actually these these designs of these chickens could could so easily go from endearing <laughs> to terrifying and I yeah. think it's so it's <laughs> you gotta walk such a fine line to make sure you, you stick to the endearing one <laughs> like it's, yeah, yeah that is such up, a like Franz
2: Kafka territory like, yeah absolutely. exactly yeah <laughs> well I, I, you almost think
0: of going in the kind of watership down direction of, yeah. of just having no costume at all well like having costume but the costume that's more kind of character based rather than chicken based you know they've, yeah. they've got their little hats I and
1: mean like, knitting. even if like you said they've got these kind of like rough-esque or like garland things that are like their feathers what if it was like they were all dressed more for character and then they all had these like ruffs that they're wearing around their necks and that's kind of how we see that they're chickens and then and then the rats don't have that but maybe the rats have like whiskers or like ears or a tail or something and Mm -hmm. then there's like just little things like that that kind of like get across what they are and who they are but it doesn't like draw us all the way to this like extreme where they're like kind of dressed in these like half rubbery chicken suits dancing about in front of us.
0: I mean, to me, it's it's the blacks that makes that image that George just painted so kind of boring. <laughs> it's it's if, if everyone's just in blacks and a lot of costume. Whereas I think if they've got if the rest of their costume is actual like real clothes, yeah, yeah, might, like might yeah, you right
1: know, have the um the cockerel guy, the old guy, what's his name, um Fletcher or something. Um, yeah. it's not that, is it? Um, Fetch, uh, Fetcher Fowler 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 Fowler. Fowler. Mm. Who's Fetcher? He's the rat? Rat. fetcher the rats' yeah, fetcher Thatcher, Thatcher, that's hilarious right? um if fowler was like literally dressed in an raf uniform and like rocky was dressed in like one of these like leather do up um like motorbike uh or like you know like circus performer uniforms that they wear for like a cannonball performer you know you could yeah you can definitely dress them in like regular
2: clothes that make sense at
1: to the character and then just have like a little element of them that makes them the animal as well. Yeah, for sure.
2: Well, I think that works really nicely because I mean, um, bringing it back to my own experience, uh, we back in like when I was in youth it like years and years and years ago down in Guildford, um, we did a production of animal farm and originally we were going to do it in this like humanoid way. Like we're chatting about now, um, where like, you know, the pigs would have like baseball jackets and like, you know, had like a little like tail coming out of like the back end of jeans and stuff. And Mm. I think that's so much more effective because it's the subtlety of it that kind of actually lets you into this world a bit easier. Um, And then we didn't end up doing that concept in the end and we all had like crutches. Like I was playing boxer and I was supposed to be this massive horse and I was like, how am I supposed to do this with two crutches? Like with my head down on the floor, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's more room for kind of fun as well in that. Like you yeah, can kind of take and we've the already festival. yeah, yeah, we've already done a
1: lot of the work in in building a set on a mm. farm, like drawing them into the setting. That actually, then for the costume, like you know, the audience already knows what they're expecting. They're expecting these people to be chickens, and mm. so they kind of fill in the rest of the blanks themselves that it's way. It's
0: pronounced egg expecting?
1: expecting <laughs> <laughs> there are so many great puns in this film i mean yeah. that's i mean oh, i don't think there's much rewriting that needs like some sometimes like we're doing a film that needs like heavy rewrites to get it into the theater i don't think there's much rewriting that would be mm. needed and one thing that definitely has to stay is just like this excellent wordplay. play that the one thing that comes to mind is um where ginger says where there's a will there's a way and then um rocky's like uh, uh yeah so oh, what is it and I will go that way that's it. I will go (laughs) that way and it's so good it's just like that's such a like clever little use of like wordplay that like again I think probably goes over a lot of kids heads maybe but like it's just so easy to appreciate because it's so simple and so playful Um, just like most of this film what else do we need to talk about I think we need to talk a little bit about the probably the, the main villains the Tweedies a bit about sort of some of their characterization possibly I mean, for I mean that they, they are like your classic, like cartoony villains. They are so over the top. Like mm. Mr. Tweedy is like such a bumbling fool, and Mrs. Tweedy is such a like mastermind, like Cruella Deville type, and she's like so psychotic um, in mm. in the way that she comes across. And I think again, that's something that I think probably lends itself better to a stage play because they they these sort of like pantomime villains. They're like so mm. over the top and so yeah kind of beyond any real person like no one is like this like her plan to turn all the chickens into pies is just pure evil because that can't possibly make them more money because then they They would run run out out of chickens yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) they don't have any plans to do any breeding she's like just kill them all it's just like that is pure evil (laughs) um yeah I mean I I don't know what else to say about that really apart from like yeah I've noticed their costumes are very like very brown very drab very like Mm. you know Yorkshire that kind of like (laughs) just that image we have of like that part of the country and farming and it kind of using that but then like turning it into this very sort of evil feeling uh look to both of those characters
2: and i think they like the thing is as well i don't think they need much rewriting either because they crop up like the perfect amount for like an audience to retain them And also, like i don't know like i feel like they are in it the, the perfect amount because every time they crop up you're like Oh, okay, what's coming next from them, sort of thing. It doesn't, and they never feel sort of like out, they outstay their welcome or anything. Absolutely. There are
0: some moments where they need to, to give the chickens more time, and so they just mm. show a, a small shot of her still looking at her clipboard about something for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but but otherwise, yeah, um, and it's a great kind of power dynamic. It's 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 rare considering the films we've done for a film from two thousand or earlier. To or even 2010 or earlier, in the case of one film we've done, uh, <laughs> to not to not
1: look at it and think, oh gosh, some of this is just problematic, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is what I was saying. I mean, like, this film is... Well, it's not really ahead of its time, because none of the issues it's dealing with are particularly, like, modern but it's it's handling like this issue of like class and capitalism and like some of identity politics and looking at like feminism and like that comparison of like the american experience and the english experience um and 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 then also like that yearning after an idyllic pastoral like green future and Mm -hmm. these are all issues that are still so prevalent today so important today and haven't aged a bit as problems since then. Um, And so, like, there's no reason why the film should have aged since then as well. Like, it's they're all handled, like, I think really deftly, really subtly, which is great. And and I think putting that on stage is, you know, now is just as important as ever to kind of give this story of... Essentially, it's a story of, like, working-class women, like, putting together a plane to escape this, like, horrible capitalist, like, um, machine that they're a part Mm -hmm. of. And even, like, the character of Rocky, who's this kind of, like you know, that sort of cocky male character. I mean, literally uh, he's a cock. Like that's the, you know, the (laughs) joke, right? Like he, in the end, he has an impact on the story, but the impact he has is just to empower the women to figure out and, and solve their issues themselves. Which is great because that's exactly the kind of stories we we want to see more of at the moment. And the fact that it, you know, this was made twenty years ago, and it's only now that that's becoming like a mainstay of, you know, British cinema, British TV, um, and also just like in a in a global context as well. So I think now is a a great moment to be putting this on stage as well and be getting those themes out there, Hmm. um, which is great.
2: Yeah, and and that's the thing I like about it as well is that it doesn't because it's under the guise of like a family film or a kids film it doesn't cram any of those things down your throat. They're just apparent and like, they're just there sort of, sort of in the background, but then kind of come into the forefront throughout. Um, and I think that's something to try and keep hold of uh, in like the kind of adapting of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could be very easy to make it very preachy and very sort of, you know, obvious when actually I think the, the film deals with it in a very subtle and yeah, really kind of, uh, Good way. <laughs> it manages that
0: thing that I think a lot of films they'll they'll work from these kind of premises where they're like, oh, this is such an analogy, and then they'll be so impressed with themselves that all the jokes they write will point out that analogy. Mm, Whereas yeah. so what this does is it, it finds jokes that aren't related to like exactly the points they're driving home, and yet po- drives those points home in other ways.
1: Yeah, the the only really like moment of like that you could consider as like kind of meta where it's kind of pointing at what it is, is right at the end when the two rats are discussing the chicken and the egg problem. Mm. But apart, yeah. apart <laughs> from that, it, it it doesn't like force itself into this like postmodern meta textual like place, which is great because I find that like, I just think that that doesn't come across to young audiences as well. And I think that, that it's important to, it, mm. it's a film that is like, it, you know it's very funny and very clever but it's also very earnest which is so good for a young audience mm. The other, yeah, I think the only other meta moment
0: is when there's a harmonica playing over the top as music, and then you realize that Mac, which apparently, by the way, originally stood for Mac Nuggets, um, <laughs> oh. is uh, Mac is playing the harmonica on screen, Yeah, which yeah. is just in the background. Um, <laughs> but yeah. so, oh, The only other slightly meta thing, actually, is something I want to talk about, is the, the only thing that might require a bit of rewrite, actually, is is this kind of American dream character in 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 Rocky, because there's quite a lot of jokes that are basically Mel Gibson jokes, like, yeah, like Mal, yeah. Mel Gibson. <laughs> like There's one where there's one apparently that's supposed to allude to the fact that everyone thinks he's Australian when <laughs> he's not, or something like that. And so, yeah, so kind of giving that character something that's more him and not just like, hey, it's Mel Gibson doing the voice of a cop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially definitely. considering like Mel Gibson's place in, uh, in the sort of cultural conversation right now is probably worth a rewrite. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think it is about how do we, well, how do we take the Mel Gibson like, model and just like turn it into an an american archetype and i think that that's that we're not like far off of that it's just about making some of those like specific references broader and part of that as well will come in casting as well casting someone who kind of isn't mel gibson but takes on some of that um sort of demeanor that sort of like you say that that sort of american star power that he he has or like very specifically had at that time as well
0: I'm just thinking of other things
1: that we want to look at. Well, the other thing I thought was was the dogs. When we we're talking about the Tweedies, um, yes. those two dogs as well, because, again, there's a scale issue there because the dogs are bigger than the chickens but smaller than the humans, and the dogs kind of need to interact with the, the chickens a bit more. So I don't know what you want to do there. Maybe that's a place where we introduce puppets, and it's the only place where we have puppets. Because, yeah. again, then the, the, the chickens are um, anthropomorphic, but the dogs aren't. So maybe that's a place where we can introduce yeah. um, some puppetry.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan. Like, I think if we don't have it anywhere else, the dogs are probably quite a good place to do it because – Correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't have any dialogue in the film, do they?
1: Not at all. No, and I think it makes them scary as well, right? They're, this fact mm. that they're kind of they're they're sort of more wild in that way, and you could mm. make these really big, like four man puppets as well, which would be mm. quite cool to see on stage and and to have them interact with the the humans playing the chickens as well.
2: Mm. Well, and silence is so much more unpredictable on stage. Like if you're just watching something move about on stage you don't really know a lot about motivations, which is what you kind of crave to see within sort of theatre. So yeah, I think that'd be quite an interesting juxtaposition to play around with. Yeah. Um, And especially as well, if we've got this idea of like big like movement sequences and like quite a lot of noise throughout the thing. I mean, there's like that big barn sequence where they were having that party like halfway through or something. Yeah. Um, And I feel like because it is so lively and such like a vivid story with, with such vivid characters to have that kind of contrast then with sort of these sort of big bulking puppets that are quite unpredictable um, would be a nice effect, I think.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, just jumping on your point about silence there as well. I mean, this the first like 10 minutes of this film basically doesn't have any dialogue. There's about four lines or something. Um, and I think that there's a lot of this idea of like playing with silence, with sound, with movement and music that would be really interesting in, in how you put that together on stage. Um, and I, I guess uh, we've talked a fair bit in recent episodes about bringing music onto stage and moving away from orchestra pits and things like that. And I wonder maybe if we just want to like a a quick comment on like, you know, if we're introducing music as a big part of this film, and I think it's a, of this stage show even, and I think it's a big part of the film. um, How, how would we make that work? Would we have people that, you know, put some of the ensemble playing instruments or would we have like a big gigantic radio that plays music out of the radio and through speakers? I don't know what you guys think of that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I always lean towards acting musician because I think it's such a satisfying thing to watch as well. Like, you know that every single part of this production is playing out in front of you. Like, there's, apart from, like, obviously, lights and tech and things like that and all the stage management happening behind the scenes, everything that you are, like, seeing and hearing is happening in front of your eyes. It's happening live. Um, And I don't know, it'd just be... If we're going down the more, like, humanoid route as well with sort of, like, elements of a chicken, I think it's it's less jarring to then have someone like that holding like, you know, a violin or like a, a drum or a guitar rather than like, you know, someone in a massive chicken suit or like holding a puppet whilst, because I suppose that's the other thing. We've then got the freedom to have act musicians because yeah. there's yeah. no one holding puppets. There's no one in these massive elaborate costumes. It's all quite simplified down. Um, and you could do beautiful stuff with, like, harmonicas, you know, if we're yeah. it in that same period. I'm thinking
1: a kind of blues-esque band, mm. like, just a small a small drum kit, maybe harmonicas, maybe maybe a violin, a bass, uh, maybe some kind of brass would be good. Yeah, oh. I think that'd be great, yeah.
2: And you can match up, like, instruments to characters as well. So, like, the, the instruments that the Rats would have, for instance, would be very different to, like, what um, Fowler has, for instance. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I think there's ways that you can match up different like actors with different Uh, and different characters to different instruments and you can
1: even design the instruments to make them look as if they've been built on the farm out of like Mm. leftover bits and i think there's a way of doing that that would add to the design element of Mm. of what we've talked about already that would would really like give a sense of them being a part of this world in playing the music yeah Mm. yeah
2: but then i do also think there is something in like having a sort of radio playing like bigger sequences or something i don't know but whether there's yeah, I don't know. It may be a mixture of the of the two, but then yeah. is that a bit cheap? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I because I think that definitely I think what we've said so far definitely fits within the world we're creating. But I think there are a couple of moments where I think it maybe we mm. have to look beyond it, as you say, and maybe use both. I think one is yeah, that radio moment, it'll be nice to have that mm. radio look mm. like it's playing something. The archer's joke is very funny. And then there's these other moments where especially when that when they're building the plane and there's this kind of sense of time a uh, race against time, where where the the farmer is fixing the machine and they're building the plane, and it's it's a, it's a sense of who will finish first, and switching between them, and I guess we can sort of do that with our mezzanine if we if we have that to show both yeah. being done at the same time which one's going to get done first but we have these couple of moments where they're in the middle of building and there's this enormous noise mm. in the distance that tells them that the engine is starting and i don't really think that's yeah. made with instruments and uh, i think it's also really important to get that feeling and like that really loud feeling of of impending kind of if we don't do this now this is Yeah this yeah is really well serious.
1: i guess if we have it rigged up with speakers and stuff you can have this band who play a kind of like some pretty like rudimental, like, like jazz standards and things like that. And then when Rocky arrives and he gets his big radio, the music can be like of a completely different era or completely different style. And it's like, Mm. you know, that experience for the chickens of seeing, what what is completely outside of you know their own like experience in that moment, um and that's what he's introducing them to. Um Even mm. if it was indu- introducing them to like more m- modern music or something, I don't know. That might be a bit like <laughs> yeah, like this <laughs> chicken rock sub and like plays like dubstep or something. You know? <laughs> 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 um, Skrillex run, like yeah, the... <laughs> exactly. They're, they're like moshing in the like middle <laughs> Justice chickens. Ah, yeah,
0: 1958, the, <laughs> the birth of Skrillex.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not the year that, of the mosh, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah I mean definitely having a feeling that like what's being played on the radio has a different character to what the chickens have been playing for the rest of the production in front of us would be quite satisfying to see yes, as yeah. well
2: yeah definitely and it wouldn't look out of place either like a radio in that set it's not going to be like a big sort of eyesore for that kind of environment yeah exactly yeah um,
1: it's got a kind of cartoony feel to it anyway mm, so that's gonna work well yeah yeah Mm. i'm trying to think what else i mean we talked a little bit about the rats i think they're a big part of the the sort of where the comedy comes in this
0: there are some food elements that they come into as well where they've they've got these eggs that they're throwing um and that also brings us on to yeah i'm thinking of three things at once i'm thinking of the eggs that they throw which brings me on to when she's flying in the air which we've kind of touched on but it's something we might need That's, to think yeah. about more.
1: Yeah. And also mm. this
0: moment where they're, where she tells the her husband to fatten them up and he pours all these seeds down uh, from above and then they're all furiously mm. fighting over it and pecking at it and she's trying to get them to stop, which is just, a, I think that would be really interesting to, to think about what we could use to either, do we just get fuckloads of seeds <laughs> or <laughs> um, do we use real eggs? Probably we don't want to do that. What can we use that? similar that will that you know that can can be consumed more sustainably for example
1: yeah Um, that's a good point i i don't know it's interesting as well because it's about how do we convey to an audience that will probably have lots of children in it that it is food, even if it doesn't look like, or isn't actually food, um, which is part of a challenge. Cause I, my, my, mine first went to like, instead of corn, you have popcorn or something that's like exactly that. That's exactly what I thought, yeah. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you could even like sell popcorn for the audience to have as well. You know, that's and yeah, I just another element packaging. of the
2: production. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously that, that kind of, isn't necessarily entirely sustainable or like the most sustainable it could be um, unless it is just about like, you know, the the farmer doesn't actually need to pour anything. He can just like from the mezzanine be like throwing an, an empty bag, you know, over the side. And then we can use sound and light, hopefully to like give a sense of like the trough filling or that's when the trough comes on to the stage. And then it's, it can be like full of, you know, like just a layer of popcorn on the front that they can be eating from, or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I I think yeah, that's a good. It's Get good. Get the audience to throw popcorn out there. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, I I think there's a way of of bringing that food onto onto stage in that way, and again, kind of bridging a gap between. The kind of like world of the, of the animals that's on stage and, and like a, a more human experience that, that the audience is, is able to connect to, um, in using popcorn as a food. Um. Mm. But yeah, it is how you how you do that sustainably, like you said, Jake. And that's a conversation as well about sustainability that would be, you know, wh- you would have with a designer, mm-hmm. um, whether that be like your set or your props design. In in how can we make this work? And you again, that's one of those things where it, it's like you come up with like a first solution, and then closer to the time, you you you're like. It, it kind of needs that time pressure to find a solution mm. to it, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And you need yeah. that expertise of someone who has designed props and has designed set to make mm. it work as well.
0: Yeah, and I think similarly with the eggs, when you know, it's, as well as sustainability, it's also dangerous <laughs> to throw eggs at <laughs> someone's face. And also, you would never get the aim right yeah. every time. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, again, similar solution for that. I think some some kind of goo mm. or something that can get.
2: Can get I mean, on the other place. alternative, it might not be as exciting, but. Um whether there's anything in i don 't know if you you saw butterfly lion Caleb when it was the, when it was that just uh i did yeah, yeah, and they sort of used like projection mapping for the whole of the Minerva space, yeah um so it was sort of like taking you into different locations and different terrains and worlds through this kind of projection mapping, so whether there's something quite interesting in like if you 've got this barn space, how do you then kind of uh, projection map onto that to kind of give the illusion of kind of whether it 's uh food or whether it 's like certain um, textures or, or surfaces, yeah. and then that would also yeah. help with then like changing location quite well. So, like for instance, this ending sequence of a plane—if you're still in the middle of the barn—it's going to be quite a <laughs> have to jump quite a long way to be to know that you're not there. If you know what I mean, but yeah, but whether that is as exciting, I don't know.
1: I don't know, yeah. and I'm not sure how well it would work in in a barn space. I, I'm no. feeling like this probably is a way of figuring it out, or whether it is just about you know that moment where he's pouring food whether you can use like you know specific like warm lighting on like a specific area of the stage um or something like that and and maybe use like sort of the slightly more like rudimentary technique of just lighting to kind of mm. give a sense of like the glut and the food that's like being put on stage um i don't know that's quite difficult uh, mm. again i think it's something that like yeah, hammering out the details of that would be quite challenging. But I think that mm. I think there is a solution in, in maybe a combination of some of these things. Yeah. Um, mm. I'm not sure it's a popcorn go bird. Sure yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> true. <laughs> you never know though. You never know. Yeah, you do. They you might do build it for chicken yeah. run.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that does kind of take us to our, our third act then, or like our, our finale, which is the the um, the big sort of flying contraption and the moment that Mrs. Tweedy's climbing up the rope towards them and then mm. <laughs> well, I found hilarious watching this is when uh, Ginger like bites the, the wire in half and then holds half of it, holding a whole human woman up with uh, their wing
2: <laughs> before That's, dropping yeah. her. If <laughs> she's Which that strong, why could she not just like beat the shit out of Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Tweedy a lot earlier, do you know what I mean? Like... That would be a
1: whole other film. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the chickens just like completely beating the farmers up. Like, That'd be really funny. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know how we make that work on stage. Be honest, but I think there's probably a way of doing it. We talked a little bit about having you know having the set kind of like lift up and then go along a rail along the top of the barn potentially um, mm. i think that's a way of making yeah. the flying happen potentially
0: and then also have the the other side that used to be the houses and the and the and the uh, model if that if that could move away and then we could have kind of come in these kind of animatronic key kind of chicken things on pedals that that might oh, be Oh yeah 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 um, that's a
1: really good point so that it
0: looks like the inside of the of the flying thing and so kind of the whole room becomes the just like the whole coop becomes the yeah. thing, the
1: whole room becomes
0: the um, becomes the attraction, yeah. And then, yeah, but then then you have the problem of how you to do the flying well,
1: thing. Well, I, I mean, um, if we had like a model of the flying thing that goes overhead that's still like pretty big, but obviously couldn't fit anyone in it. And then like you say, Jake, you turn the stage into like, it's got all the pedals and stuff. And then at the back of the stage, you can literally just open the barn door up, you know, so we're seeing outside beyond the stage, um, and and that's where the interaction between Ginger and Mrs. Tweedy can happen. And then when she, you know, when she finally like pushes her out and to the ground, you close those barn doors and she's gone forever. And that's kind of how you could build that visually mm. it, there.
0: Oh yeah. So she could even be hanging from the roof of the barn in some kind of safe yeah. way. So it looks like she's mm. down below, but it's kind of level at the same time. And that could kind of work together. And I also, I quite like the idea of when we have that kind of contraptiony moment of the, um, of the coop turning into the, the plane. Uh, I like the idea of the audience being moved in some way at that same time as well. So they can maybe move their vision so they can see that outside the back of the yeah. plane as well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely. definitely, And yeah, and I think that will help massively with our believability for that moment. Cause I think like, even though it is, you know, a family film and that kind of stuff, it, you, you get a lot from that moment. It's such a moment of satisfaction, like seeing her just like done and off. It's like, yeah, sick. Yeah, um, so yeah. like, That would be the thing to like try not to lose that feeling, and I think yeah, all those things that we've just chatted about would do that very well. So there you go,
1: brilliant. And and then that takes us to yeah, the the ending in this sort of idyllic island. Paradise that they build for themselves in a kind of when it seems that like it's like a sort of Lake District type, you know, setting. Um, and I think, yeah, we talked about, you know, maybe that's even a moment where you bring the whole audience out of the barn, whether you, you know, find some way of getting them up and moving out or whether you have their seating on rails. Um, and that takes us to, yeah, a, an ending that is, you know, you suddenly can then use this whole open space that the audience walked through to get into this tiny coop is suddenly where the chickens can roam free. Um, and we can see a kind of, you know, you can end on this image of like, again, lots happening. Like you can have the sort of different chickens playing and like this big sort of open space. And then the quiet moments can just happen closer to the audience. and, And then that's kind of what you can do with that. Or even have it fully, you know, embracing the sort of promenade idea that we had at the start, you know, it, it, the audience can leave and it's just as they're leaving it's just uh, a whole area in which all of the actors are are enjoying themselves in lots of different ways and you can kind of go and see different ones and each of them is a sort of different scene taking place
0: mm, that that's sounds. really nice i think because especially because we want that idea of because you know a lot of time passes between those the last two scenes um and so i like that idea of like as the audience leave after they've done whatever whatever else has happened at the yeah. end yeah um, yeah being able to interact and stay as long as they like, sort of thing was kind of yeah, yeah. Really nice yeah, yeah. Definitely. speaking of that kind of idea of keeping the audience cooped up inside the barn for that time, so they get that feeling of release when they can go outside and see that the chickens have also been able to you know go outside, and that feeling of kind of being part of the being locked in this um we often ask recently, can we have an interval in this, and if so, where would we put it? And I think that's a difficult question mm-hmm.
2: that is a tough one because I think that feeling of release at the end would be so satisfying for an audience like that's such a good audience journey of like going into this barn spending like you know an hour 15 an hour 30 in there and then finally being like let out you really sort of um match up to and sort of join in with that journey that the chickens are on Mm. so i would i would say no i'd say no to an interval yeah or if there
1: was an interval you
2: you keep them in the on. barn yeah but, <laughs> so, i'm actually not sure that's legal yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah unless you've got unless you've got toilets in the barn and you and you make sure that no one is a smoker then uh, yeah you're probably all right
1: <laughs> yeah i think i know i think you're right and i think the, the film's only an hour 24 i think mm. actually realistically what we're going to end up doing is is not making it any longer because we've not added any huge like set changes that are going to be too hard to do uh, that will take too long and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of montages in this film that i think you know whatever time we we make up in like adding dance routines and like parts of movement like that um will probably like will have been lost from the fact that we're not actually like showing montages on stage mm-hmm. but we're just showing like what's happened through those montages so i Whoa. think yeah an, an hour and 20 is is not a, an you know an unrealistic time to ask an audience to sit and and watch even if it's an audience no. that includes uh families and, and young young people
2: i mean as well as like you said earlier jake like there's a lot of mrs tweedy just looking at a clipboard so that will probably cut off like you know half an hour <laughs> <laughs> that's very true um,
1: yeah
0: yeah i mean the national theater asks people to just wait for an hour and 20 minutes and then with a 10 minute break do it all again and then maybe do it again again yeah, yeah. so uh we we've, we're we're
1: scot-free really. yeah 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 <laughs> Oh, great. I feel, I mean, I think we've, we've kind of done that. I, I feel pretty good about what. What we've come up with there, I think there's a few details that we kind of agreed that we'd need to figure out closer to the time if we were to put this on. Um But I think that's great. Yeah, I've been surprised at how kind of doable it's it is. You sit
0: down to an arm <laughs> and animation scene film, and you think uh, it's kind of. You know, I mean, it, yeah,
1: it's. Kind George, of, please don't, please don't bring us flushed away next. Time. <laughs> I'm <not sure> that's <laughs> as easy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to be as good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. Well, let's we'll move on to our, our segment of sort of recommendations, um, which are we calling it? Maybe you'll like this. Is this what we decided we're calling it? <laughs> I think that is what we're calling it. <laughs> okay, <yeah>. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so, uh, George, do, do you have anything, um, to offer that, that maybe we'll like?
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, it's a very different tone from Chicken Run, so uh, this is quite a jarring experience for the uh, for the listener. But um, I over lockdown, if you've got access to drama online or any um, you know illegal sites, uh, not that I'm condoning that, but you know go for it if you, go for it if you need it. Um, Yerma, the 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 uh, young Vic production with Billy Piper in it, is mm. absolutely outstanding. It is one of the best pieces of theatre that I've seen in a long, long time, and I'm just more gutted I didn't get to actually see it. Um, yeah but the way it, it's one of the very few sort of one of those nt live uh, live stream productions that i've actually really enjoyed because of the way it's filmed um the only thing that is a shame about it is they have these um in between every single scene there's like oh look, i think they break it down to acts and scenes and that and basically they have um scene changes but instead of actually getting able to see them uh, they bring up these cards on the nt live uh, screen and that basically Mm. tells you like the context that you need to go into this scene, which you don't need because you've just had it from the last scene anyway. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that was the only annoying thing. Like I'd rather just see how the set's changing and how the kind of space is transforming. But Mm. apart from that, highly recommend, highly recommend.
1: Oh, nice! Awesome. Yeah, I actually recently chatted someone who did get to see it live in person, and I was extremely <laughs> jealous. Um, yeah, but yeah, I definitely need to get hold of a recording to watch it because um, mm. I've heard so many people recommending it over lockdown. Um, yeah, no, Jake, do, do you have anything uh, to recommend? Uh, yeah,
0: I've got something to, to talk about. Um, I'm not sure when this is going out, so it might just be I'm asking you to watch a competition rather than enter one. Um, but uh, Powerhouse Theatre are running a uh, monologue competition. Uh, they're calling the Mitochondria Monologs competition, and uh, they've written, they've commissioned six monologs about around the theme of frustration. And it's uh, completely open to to enter the competition and uh, self tape you yourself doing one of these monologs and putting them on YouTube, and then they'll be judged. Uh, Michael Koch, I think <laughs> it's pronounced, the guy from Peaky Blinders, is um, mm. is going to be judging it, and you get like a, the, the the prize is like a one to one like acting class with him basically oh wow and so yeah so depending on when this goes out either look into entering that or uh go on youtube and watch some of the entrance because i'm sure that'll be very good
1: um and i'm hoping to do one myself so um yeah that's that's my rec what about you Caleb? awesome um i i was gonna recommend uh a slight sidestep from theater but i thought since we had George Orn, who is a poet, and um, I also contributed some of my poetry to Boy. I thought I would recommend... Um, Harry Baker oh. has started a podcast in lockdown. Harry Baker was uh, the Slam Poet World Champion in 2012, and he has been like my favorite poet forever and uh, and you know part of the reason that i have ever like dared to write poetry um and he started a podcast called something borrowed where each week he has a guest on and they share uh four works uh they do some, something old something new something borrowed something blue um and it, yeah, you kind of get all sorts of like really interesting stuff out of it, and he gets some really great guests on. Um, and that's just, yeah, wherever you can find a podcast, something borrowed, um, uh, from Harry Baker is really good, and I'd, I'd really recommend it. And yeah, just flick through because there's all sorts of different people on there. Um, and, and different episodes kind of take a different energy. There's one where he just like has his mate on it who has been living with them in lockdown, and they like made this, um, like, they like wrote and made it like this Euro banger together. <laughs> that's it all in German. And that's like quite a fun episode, but then there's some he gets, you know, people on who are a bit more sort of like reflective and, and, uh and a bit, I guess more serious. Um, and, and, and that kind of take a different tone as well. Um, cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, we, we did it. <laughs> um, just, yeah. I mean the, the one other thing I'd say, before we, you know, sort of plug our socials is just like check out chewboy boy. Um, I'm sure George will give you their social media and stuff, but um, they're, they're great. And um, I have, I'm yet to actually see one of their shows live. And obviously there's going to be a while before that actually happens, but I'm very excited to, to be able to do that when it does happen. Uh, Cause they're just a really great bunch of people and they're making really great stuff. Um, so George, where can people find you online? You
2: can find me most places at Georgie Bailey with two E's before the Y. Um, and then Chewboy Productions is either at Chewboy Prods or at Chewboy Productions. Um, and yeah, come, come and say hello. Awesome. How do you spell Chewboy, George? Uh, so Chew, like ah. Chewing, and then B-O-Y. Got you. Uh, I thought it,
0: I wasn't sure whether it might be Chew Chew, like the train. I was just wanted to check. Um, <laughs> but uh, assuming everyone's got that now and wasn't as stupid as me. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you online? <laughs>
1: I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram and I, I'm going to start plugging my Letterbox as well because that's where I review all mm. of these films as well um, at Caleb Lebster, C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-S-T-E-R uh, Jake, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter and I'm
0: also on Letterbox at the same at uh, so yeah, have a, have a follow me in there I also review the films that we do for the podcast um, I'm at Jake Reesh, that's J-A-K-E-R-E-E-S-H and we are Maybe You Like It Productions and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at at maybe you like it that's with the letter u and you can find us on facebook at maybe you like it productions that's with the word U. or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk and if you like this episode then as well as visiting tubeware productions you can also subscribe uh, to our podcast wherever you get it and you can rate it and you can share it with your friends and we would love you to do any of those things anything else to say
1: you need to do your sign off <laughs>
0: yeah well i just wanted to check no one had anything else to say
1: you know it's, i've, it's got, a hard I've day. got nothing to I'm say actually,
0: i'm fasting today anyone that's made it to the end of this podcast i i haven't eaten any food or <laughs> drunk any water for nearly 25 hours so i've got i'm not going well here but there we go um it's, it's the ninth of our for anyone who knows what that means um, but anyway maybe like that maybe you didn't Oops.
1: That was a Maybe You Like It production.
0: Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't.